Uh, Trustee Hernandez will not be in today. Trustee Banerjee. Yeah. Present. Trustee Jensen will not be in today. Trustee Zorthian. Here. Present. And Trustee Lujanani is not yet with us. He'll be joining us shortly. I will move to public comment section. Whoa. I will move to public comment session, section, and I have two speakers. The first is Ar Arnold Brillinger. Yeah, yes. I'll move this anyway. Thank you, Mr. Brillinger. I know it was not easy for you to. That's not a problem at all. You know, I want to thank you very much for that meeting that you did two weeks ago. Because at that time, I know it was educational for you to just to get you up to par. But it really helped me to understand that, yes, this Board of Trustees is on top of things that they do know what kinds of problems exist and hopefully they're out to, to settle it. And so when I told some of the people that, uh, that I'm in contact with, and, and I'm not really doing this to advocate for the workers there, I'm doing this to advocate for me and for other residents that live there because how the workers feel <clears throat> Depends. That's how, how we get the service. And if they don't feel really good about it, we don't always get our service. And as we said before, or as I said last time, they are fleeing from the SNFs to like Highland where they're getting more bucks. And this happened again during these past two weeks. The One of the CNAs, he came to me and he had tears in his eyes. He says, you know, I'm really sorry. He says, but I'm going on because I need to do what I need to do for my family. It's, it's a matter of more money, and I just can't wait around here for things to happen. And I told him, I said, you know, the, the Board of Trustees are aware of, your, of, the, of the problems and the decisions that you've got to make. And he says, well, you know, we've got to do what we've got to do. It's for our families. And uh, so I'm really sorry. I really had a good time working with you. And he says, I really respect you, but I've got to move on. And so, again, it's, this shows the urgency of this, you know, you said, well, we've got five years and we've been through two, uh, three years of waiting or working on this. Yes, but these people can't wait another two years. 
I would like to suggest that maybe you just drop a bonus into their paychecks to say, hey, we realize that you guys are here and you're working under lower economic remuneration and so we'd like to at least give you something. And I'm suggesting that they get a bonus and this is a retention bonus, you know, for, for keeping, keeping on every, you know, at their anniversary and at their half year anniversary uh, until it, until the, uh, until the wages are up to par. Now, I do know that recently we had a situation where they started out starting people at a higher rate than they had been starting them at. And uh, that's good. But the people who have been there in a long time, they, they're still waiting. And some of those people have been there 10, 15, maybe 18 years. And during the time when the Zimmermans owned the property, or ran the property, because they still own it, but when they ran it, I guess they, they were able to keep up with, with the wages and stuff. And then when Alameda Hospital took it over, then we had the problem of Alameda Hospital was in financial straits. And so money coming in from SNF, from the SNF, went toward keeping Alameda Hospital alive. And uh, some people will say, well, that, that's not true. But yes, it is. That's when they were asked to hold back at, you know, at the SNF. And so they said, well, there is no money. Well, there was really no money. But at the same time, we know the SNFs are cash cows in the medical profession. Because that first year that Alameda Hospital took over Water's Edge, that's what its name was before, when it was Water's Edge, over four point something million dollars went to help help them keep keep afloat. And uh, Mr. Billinger, yes. I'm going to have to okay. I'm going to have to call your time. But I do want before you stop, I do want to um, uh, tell you that we appreciate you reinforcing our concerns. This is not falling on deaf ears, and you know sometimes we can give that kind of assistance that you're asking for, and other times the challenges are pretty, pretty significant. But we do appreciate you you coming forward and acknowledging those issues. Thank okay. you so much. Thank you for coming. Our next speaker, Cheryl. Thank you for allowing me to speak. As I did September 13th, I will go over what I spoke on September 13th. I would like to know Alameda Healthcare System's description/slash obligation of a mandated reporter. What are the consequences 
of an Alameda Healthcare Assistance mandated reporter? Are there any exclusions as far as your staff holding medical professional positions? Are Alameda Healthcare Systems medical professionals mandated reporters by the laws and the bills that are passed by the state of California? Is Alameda Healthcare Systems in compliance with this by the laws and the bills that are put in place by the state of California? Last but not least, is it not protocol for Alameda Healthcare Systems to get in touch with the designated family contacts on record for a 5150 patient release? Disgruntled mother, I'm not. Justice seeker, I am. I want you to understand that. This will never be the same for me. Will never be the same for me. These are my sons. My family is broken. There's a hole in my heart. I am nervous standing here, but I'm not a fool. It's not acceptable to me when people hold positions and they don't do their jobs. It's not acceptable to Kevin. I'm his mother. I'm Demetrius's mother. It's not a game to me. I don't like being slighted. I have a son that's sitting in a cell. It's not right. I have a son that's not here. It's not right. I'll never know their full potential. I don't count Demetrius out. I'll never know Kevin's. I will never know my son's full potential. There's a hole in my cry every night. Trust me, I cry every night. So you have people holding positions here that are mandated reporters by law. They had an obligation to vote my boys. And they did not do it. That's overlooked. The consequences of a mandated reporter are loss of a job, jail time, and a fine. Not one or three. What's going to be done? What is going to be done? They'll never replace the hole in my heart. And I personally, I want to thank you again for just listening. I believe some of you are listening because you have to. But every night, Y'all can go to sleep. I can't. Trust and believe, I don't sleep right. I do not. Mandated reporters by law. Thank you. Thank you. Any additional public comment? Thank you. And I don't know who, who answers those questions, but maybe we can get somebody out in the hall so that she can at least get her name, and that would be, that would be helpful. So, okay. We have. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Uh, okay. I'm going to start the meeting then, um, and let's move to, since I get my glasses on here, um, medical staff report. Sir, Doctor, would you like to go first? Yeah. Would you, Doctor Loco, you're going to have to, yes. I got it. I got it. I think. Let me slide up. Uh, it's the lack of uh, insurance contracts, and this has uh, really been a critical problem for the medical staff. And we hope that this can be resolved. It's been a year now. This is a one year without contracts. So uh, we 
we uh, have been patient and we hope that this will be resolved. This is a, a uh, great hardship for the medical staff. And the other thing is that, that uh, it's called my attention that we've had a problem uh, with the uh, operating room staffing. I know that it's been a problem during the, during the week, but also uh, we had an episode this last weekend where a patient with a fractured hip, uh, the surgery was delayed because of a lack of uh, scrub tech availability. And uh, Dr. Shaw was the practitioner involved, and I would like him to elaborate on that problem. <clears throat> Well, it seems to be uh, that this has been an ongoing issue. I know that Alameda um, hospital nurses and managers have put in requests to get more scrub techs. There are four, four or five operating rooms at Alameda Hospital that I think, as we think about moving towards a system, can be used more effectively to offload some of the work that we do here um, over there. And as I take call at three institutions over the weekend, I get to see the direct parallels on a day-to-day -day basis as I'll operate at multiple institutions on the same day. And um, clearly there's a, there's a shortage um, throughout our system in some things. Just for example, in the laboratory world, there just seems to be a nationwide shortage in lab techs and such. However, when it comes to scrub techs and operating the OR, I don't think that we can afford to have ORs going unfilled when providers need to, to provide care. Uh, specifically speaking, every time that one of my orthopedists needs to operate past 3 p.m., they're getting pushback because the staffing issues. So the scrub techs have to leave after they fulfilled their shifts, and there's nobody to backfill them. Um, I experienced that same thing. 1 p.m. on a Friday, I had a hip fracture that came in the night before, that I wanted to operate on and I was told that I may not be able to do it because we had a scrub tech shortage. They were running one OR at the time. That means four ORs were sitting empty without the ability potentially for me to go ahead and fix a fracture, which is just unacceptable. It's just not the kind of care we want to provide as a system. And it's a very easy fix in my, in my mind. I just don't think we have all discussed it together as a system to make sure that we can fix it. So um, we went ahead and called Kaiser made sure that this tech that was leaving his shift at 3 p.m. could stay longer, and we went ahead and did the fracture. Um, I informed Dr. Yako of the situation, and we decided together that we would bring it up jointly. And so I would urge the board to really pay close attention as we become a system to actually um, make sure that we staff accordingly in, in those critical areas such as the OR. Um, I know that salary differences, some jobs have been posted in those fields, but there's some salary differences between scrub techs getting work at Highland versus here, uh, versus at Alameda versus San Leandro. And um, unfortunately, it's been difficult. I'm not exactly sure why for them to hire scrub techs. Um, so that was that was the main issue from that standpoint. And, and the scrub tech issue is is strictly at Alameda or it is system-wide? Um, it's, it's very prevalent at Alameda. I know that we have shortages here as well in terms of uh, this, what we call the swing shift from 3 to 11. Um, ORs just dramatically start reducing their effectiveness at 3 because everybody has to leave. And then certain, sometimes we can't do basic things after 3 p.m. And from 3 to 7 p.m., I still call that a working day. And so do most doctors. And so we get very frustrated when we can't provide care during those hours because 
those hours are now you know nighttime hours. So I think it's something we need to pay close attention to if we want to provide high quality care and stay efficient um, and keep people out of the hospital. Del Becker, do you have any? Is uh, well, all I can say. Are you learning? I mean, is this the, new to you or no? The, the specific issue is new to me. Uh, this is the first I've heard of it, uh, but that doesn't mean that others uh, on my team have not. So I'm happy to take a look at it. Um, the broader issue or concern around staff, and specifically Alameda, uh, uh, not not a new issue. I, I didn't know it about its impact uh, directly on OR uh, uh, utilization. It's, it's the first I've heard of it, so I can follow up with the staff and figure. Yeah, out in, all, in all fairness, you know, I didn't know about the depths of it either. Some people had mentioned to me sometimes, and they just, I'm not sure why they hadn't carried it up through their channels. So that's why I said, well, let's call Dr. Yako. Let's fix this. So that's why I'm bringing it up. It just happened this last weekend. So. Okay. Uh, and are these kind of things talked at your MEC meetings? Is that what you call them? Yeah. They, they haven't brought up. It, there's a, there's uh, a very, very um, acute problem in many areas. Nursing in general has, has been a problem. Uh, uh, it, it really restrains the practice of medicine. And... Uh, uh, it has been brought up to answer your question, yes. But as this issue here, I, I was not aware of, but I'm glad that Dr. Shaw shared it with me. Quite frankly, I feel very confident that when we sit down and talk about how to solve the problem, this is low-hanging fruit in my mind. And okay. I, think that, I think that there's not really going to be any issue solving this. Okay. And we will bring it up specifically this uh, tomorrow at our, our medical executive committee. All right. Thank you. Any, any, yes. I had a question about the first item that you mentioned, the the contracts, um, and I'm wondering if we have any to report on that, of where, where we are. Do you want to pro provide an update yeah. of where we are? Uh, that would be me. Um, <clears throat> we're working very hard on the issue. Um, we actually have opened the dialogue with uh, Anthem, which is the largest issue, uh, largest, largest contract. I uh, can't go into the details of that. Uh, they're constructive discussions. Uh, we've been um, <clears throat> in an ongoing dialogue back and forth with Aetna. Uh, they really haven't moved. It appears that they're disinterested in getting um, some letters of agreement on four cases that we've already taken care of, uh, as they have in the past, but the, the volume with Aetna is very low. Um, so um, uh, we have started the process with Anthem. It's probably the biggest thing I can report. Yeah, because last we heard, they hadn't scheduled a conversation with you yet, so that's probably yeah, and they, and they and we didn't do it that way, but uh, we have an uh, yeah. interim um, director, our permanent director is on maternity leave, and our interim director has a um, relationship with uh, through other you know other uh, other operations uh, with this person, and uh, we initiated the dialogue that way. Okay. Is there any role that uh, we brought this up last time? Is there any role for political pressure? Uh, there, there absolutely is, and I think that the um, uh, the press from the one physician that went national um, <clears throat> had a, um, a very big impact on Blue Shield. Uh, they did come to the table. We opened that dialogue. Um, we're, we're not sure if they're serious about um, resolving it, but we, we uh, have uh, standing weekly meetings where we're going back and forth with Blue Shield right now. And, and just to be clear, we ha we have it's this is not a conceptual thing. We, we in addition to the article, I mean, we did actually uh, uh, take advantage of uh, our uh, let's just say avail ourselves of our, our political relationships uh, 
up to and including the state level to uh, to uh, uh, further dialogue with Anthem uh, specifically. Um, and as David mentioned, we uh, had dialogue with them. We knew from our last discussion with them several months ago that that despite the pressure, they were faced with other challenges that in their mind and in their sort of business uh, case was more grave than ours. Uh, so uh, they told us that with their staffing and with these other issues that the earliest they could anticipate having a conversation with us was in the month of September, if I remember that correctly. And um, so we, we, we knew that the, realistically, and we've shared this with the uh, uh, healthcare district board in Alameda, as well as our own board. Um, so we knew that realistically, we were looking at uh, mid-September as the earliest we could even engage in any discussion with them. And so, um, as David's reporting now, you know, we have started those dialogues, but we, uh, at this stop stage, you know, couldn't couldn't give an estimation of when we'd be able to uh, reestablish contracts. But to say that we've started those dialogues, so it's not all hopeless. No, I wouldn't say it's hopeless, but these things um, are take very time. frustrating. They do take time. I know it's frustrating. Uh, we will be reporting at the uh, district board on Monday. Do we negotiate or do we retain uh, uh, a negotiator at all? Or how, how do we do it? I'm mean, just out of curiosity. <clears throat> well, we, we negotiate. Now, the person who's doing the negotiation is this individual I mentioned who is a contractor. Okay. And he specializes in this. Thank you. Okay. Anything else, doctors? Uh, well, I had a few things to add from from the core, but okay, I want to make so sure Dr. Yako is done. Dr. Yako, I'm Hi. sorry. I'm sorry. On that last topic, will you let us know if there's a point at which we should take more robust political action at the state or local level? Like, I, I think I mentioned it at our last meeting, like contacting the insurance mm -hmm. commissioner, and the elected statewide position that these are insurance companies, and I don't think they're doing a very good job in Alameda right now. Thank you. Uh, I mean, okay. like, let yeah. us know. I mean, like, I, I, I appreciate okay. that the conversation started, but it took a long time to start. And, it, um, and and I don't consider the newspaper article that went national political pressure. I consider that press bad publicity. Uh, <laughs> but political pressure is of a different nature. And, and right. we are we are a political body of sorts. So let us know if we should, you know, write a letter to whom it may <clears> concern and send it to the right person. It. it that that uh, national uh, <clears throat> event though did get their attention. I yeah, had a, I had a phone call within hours. That's uh, right. Hey, hey, how come we're not talking? <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. big business. Yeah. Okay. Anything else? Sorry. Yes. Yeah, nothing else, Good. please. Okay. So I just like to um, thank the board for uh, allowing me to be. Uh, present and part of the, the process for the last year. I'll be uh, stepping down as chief of staff and I'd like to thank the administration for its support uh, along with Mr. Finley and our new CMO um, and everybody who's been so uh, encouraging for me to learn through the process. So uh, Dr. Uh, Jean Hearn, who is an ER physician and a uh, very experienced administrator as well, will be taking over and um, we look forward to having him represent the medical staff. So thank you. Um, what just, were your highlights? Um, I think the the main highlight was really learning uh, how to temper my expectations to fix things quickly. I'm a surgeon and I want to see quick <laughs> fixes and I've really learned uh, by by spending time with Mr. Finley um, uh, also with Joe 
I wanted to thank him. I mean, I had some struggles uh, emotionally to kind of calm down and fix problems <laughs> from a, uh, a more inclusive standpoint to control my ego at times with it uh, because, quite frankly, I do think that I understand some of these issues from a different angle than many of the people in this room. Um, but in order for us to come together and talk about these things, there has to be cool and calm heads. And I think I've learned that um, to some degree, hopefully. But um, our, our joint conference, which I was going to report on today, was really the highlight of, of being able to come together and get people in a room and just talk about the issues that exist in a very transparent and honest uh, fashion. And uh, I really like what Mr. Finley said about Sometimes we disagree, but that doesn't mean we have to be disagreeable. And so I think that the process, it was a very uh, heavy investment for me uh, from the standpoint that I've been here now 13 years. I trained here. I love this place, and I want to see it do well. I've seen it go, go through a lot of changes, and I'm not going anywhere. And, um, and I'm proud of the, the institution we work in, and I was honored to just be a part of this part of that process. So. Um, I'm still at Dr. Jamaluddin's fingertips. Anytime he needs and anytime anybody uh, needs anything from me, I'm here. Um, and so, quite frankly, it was just, it was a nice thing to look back on and say, you know, I contributed in my little way um, to the process. Well, passion is such a key ingredient to success. So, thank you for your dedication and passion. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for the opportunity. Um, I'm sure Dr. Jamaluddin will elaborate on some of these issues, but I wanted to quickly summarize our MEC meeting. Now that uh, Mr. Moy and Ms. Lawrence have given the Chiefs of Staffs an opportunity to talk about more than just numbers, but really get into the meat of what the MEC is thinking and discussing, I wanted to bring up a few bullet points from our meeting uh, last week, uh, which I think went very well. Um, and now that we've kind of learned how to do this meeting in a slightly different fashion, I think we had a really robust involvement from many uh, different aspects. So um, Dr. Jamaluddin briefly spoke about uh, the anesthesia chair search. And that is a department that will really, in the near future, I think, go undergo the most major transformation in our core institution here at Highland as we find a new chair and really find a way to become effective in using our OR, which to me is one of the golden resources we have here. Um, the other thing is we talked about um, having some education around leadership that involves all three, the board, medical staff, and the administration sitting together and getting coached on, on certain aspects of how to really work and collaborate together. We had a doctor named Dr. John Burroughs come and give a grand rounds and sit in on our MEC, and he actually interjected during some of the MEC discussions, which at first I was taken aback, but it was actually interesting to see an outside perspective on our MEC and to get a clean look at some of the things we can improve on. Um, whether or not we engage with him in the future still remains to be seen, but it was nice to get that initial thrust of, hey, maybe we, we need something further to carry upon what we've started this year. Uh, principles of just culture were discussed and how we strive to, be, to hold people accountable but always look for improvement rather than punitive issues. And Dr. Jamaluddin brought that up. Our joint conference committee dealt with, uh, as, as many of the people in the room know, dealt with the contracting issue and uh, how medical staffs should be involved uh, in the process of, of evaluating contracts and approving them or not approving them, how 
the medical staff in general can get involved with some of these issues. So we came up with three bullet points, as many of you recall, that we, um, I think, you know, everybody settled into um, really adopting well. The first one is we agreed to develop a process that compels a dialogue between administrators and clinicians in clinical contracting. Um, the second is there will be some indication at the board level that reflects this clinical input into some of these major decisions, whether that be a signature line or something being formally stated, we thought that was appropriate. Uh, we also developed the fact that, you know, we don't think that the MEC needs to be the, uh, an approval body per se, and that we will work on developing a process that can then allow us to trust the process enough to possibly change our bylaws so that we can get in line with what we're doing. Um, that was one of, the, one of the key highlights, I think, that we all came up with in this year. Um, we had departmental reports from emergency medicine and the Department of Internal Medicine. The Department of uh, Internal, uh, sorry, uh, emergency medicine really uh, was concerned about quality issues around nurse staffing and, and space in their ED, and we discussed some of those issues as we discussed behavioral health and PES, but also just um, non-behavioral health issues that may be coming up in staffing and Dr. Simon elaborated on that in the MEC um, and all of the administrators were there as well to hear that. The medicine department highlighted that they um, have 11 new fac uh, faculty members mm -hmm. and many of these are residents that were I think at the top of their class here and it's nice to see some of these uh, men and women coming back to serve a hospital so I was very happy to see that. We're developing a nocturnal service which I think is really gonna help the throughput in the hospital. What happens at night is there's no attending that's here to be able to make quick decisions and get people out of the EDs into beds and getting things moving a little bit faster. So we've now, I, I'm not exactly sure how many FTE have been approved, but I know Mr. Cox has been working with Rachel Baden, our chair of medicine, to get these approved and now that we'll have actually attending level uh, physicians in the ED, I think our throughput should improve. And uh, Dr. Baden was very um, happy about that. We have a new CMIO, as many of you may know, Dr. English, and he's um, uh, helping coordinate with Mr. Gravender, the EHR, uh, electronic health record selection. Mm -hmm. And so we have, um, I think we have a speaker coming soon um, on that level and uh, medical staff is very, uh, very anxious to hear what's going to happen with the EHR systems over the next year. Um, the, the last two issues I wanted to talk about were patient experience. Our patient experience metric or rating the hospital 9 to 10. So we, we try to figure out in the surveys that we send out which percentage of those surveys say that they would rate the, the hospital experience 9 or 10. And our goal was 73.5, and we came in at 73.1. I'm not quite sure why our goal is 73.5, um, and maybe somebody else from the administration can elaborate on that. I believe our goals will eventually get higher, but I think we're setting stepwise goals. Um, the last thing I'd like to touch upon um, as, as I exit is I'd really like to encourage, as we move forward, um, the executives and some of the board members to come and round with some of the doctors and see what their days are like and see what the clinic patients experience. Um, I think there's a lot of low-hanging fruit that can be fixed as we have dialogues, but sometimes those dialogues aren't had because there's no opportunity to have them. Um, the scrub tech issue is one of them. But um, the doctors at this institution, in my mind, are, are a huge asset 
and I'd like us to continue to use their voice and their ability to connect with patients to help everybody shed some light on some of the basic problems that we have in the institution that I think can be fixed very easily now that we're paying close attention to them. Mm -hmm. Executive rounding, and I, and I know that um, many, of the, many of the administrators here agree with me on that. So thank you. Uh, I would just like, before I go into the president's report, just I would just like to add that you know, over the period of time that I have sat on the board, um, I really have seen an evolution in the relationship grow. But um, the 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 focus on 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 care and what our doctors are uh, are experiencing has become much more important to us. I I really give a lot of credit to Del Vecchio because I think his openness and his will his ability to really spend time listening has been helpful. I hope that when you pass on to our new, um, that, that you will encourage the kind of operation um, and the dialogue that you're experiencing tonight. Because this is really pretty new for us. Most of the time we had those written reports and we didn't hear a whole lot. So uh, I know that I speak for the board because we've talked about it so often that we really do want to hear this. I, as the president, have to be mindful to make certain that when we look at our agenda, that we allow time for this activity, uh, which we haven't done in the past. So I do appreciate your attendance and, and certainly your willingness to give us much more information. Thank you so much. Okay. I, I, I wanted to add, if I could. Of course. Uh, just that we will, you know, miss you, Dr. Shah, for, you know, you've spoken your truth and you've, you know, you've really navigated and helped brought so many issues to the fore while you've been there, and I hope that that will continue. Um, I'm sure with Dr. Hahn as well, but do come back and let us know, and um, we'll ta I'll take you up on the rounding thing for sure, because I think nothing like speaking and seeing things at, at, as they happen to g give us a much more visceral idea of what really the work that you do. So thank you again. Thank you. Uh, you know, my time I spent with Dr. Um, with Barry was really insightful. It was it was good to be able to see what she goes through on a day to day basis and and the people that she works with. So I appreciate that. Okay, I'm going to move to uh, the board president report, and I am going to ask our trustee uh, Banerjee, who attended a conference in New Orleans and spoke on the topic that she's to present tonight and so I'm going to turn my report over to her today. Thank you, Trustee Lawrence. Well, um, I, I, in my day job I work uh, in federal health, public health policy uh, federally. So I work for an organization called the United States Breastfeeding Committee and I was so, um, this last summer I was at a conference um, that looked very much at looking at maternity care practices and the continuity of care for women, infants, and children from the lens of how do we reduce the disparities that we see so much in our population. So ROSE is this organization based in Atlanta called Reaching Our Sisters Everywhere, and they do, uh, you're a Grady baby, of course, you know. So they, they do a lot of work in, uh, in Georgia, but now with uh, just with the kind of outcomes that we have um, in terms of our maternal and infant health mortality rates, mor morbidity rates and outcomes, we spend more than any other country on the planet and yet our outcomes are, 
you know, leave a lot to be desired. So there's, you see um, that the middle, you see, I can point it to that one. That one, that article just came out again um, in, in September um, about how our rates have actually gone up in the, in the nationally compared to many of the other countries where it's going down. So we do have a crisis of sorts. And we do again and again see that communities of color, communities in low-income neighborhoods, bear the greatest brunt of uh, chronic disease and other kinds of... So the work that I do, and we, we've spoken about it, is that when you start, you give people the right start in life and give our start, you can reduce a lot of costs over there. So breastfeeding, um, so uh, good MCH really makes a difference to the quality of life of our population in a big way. So, uh, so who or what is USBC? It's uh, in 1990, the WHO had an Innocenti declaration where they said every country should have a committee made of uh, different uh, health professional organizations and government departments that should coordinate things on um, maternity care practices, uh, policies related to uh, paid leave, family leave. So as you can see, if you look at that um, graphic where the mother and dyad baby is, we can't be further away from uh, where uh, mom and baby is in terms of where we are. So we are there with the Joint Commission, the Institute medicine and some of the others. So my work very much is working with all of these other partners in these zones. You can see that who's closest to the mother and baby, the families, the friends, the community. Then you have the child care providers, employers. Then you have the county doctor's office in the yellow zone over there, hospitals, green zones, some more the health care systems and your you know, state health agencies and public health entities. And then um, you, you see in the blue zone are much more uh, local governments. So our job is to wrangle um, all of these entities to make sure that from grassroots to treetops there is some feedback loop that happens in the federal policies that get made. So um, as a, it is an organization of organizations and we implement the Surgeon General's call to action uh, to support breastfeeding. Um, so the good news is that California by the numbers and Alameda County by the numbers. So um, we've why is breastfeeding even important in the big picture? When we have a conversation here, often the discourse is reduced to it's a lifestyle choice. And, you know, it's a woman's choice. Are you a good mother if you do it? You're not a good mother if you don't do it. And that's, it's a public health imperative because uh, the protective effects it has on the infant in terms of upper respiratory tract disease, um, infections, um, you know, reducing deaths, SIDS deaths, reducing other kinds of uh, um, chronic disease uh, predispositions and great protective action on the mom as well. But when you just promote breastfeeding and tell people, oh, you've got to go do it, that doesn't make sense if it doesn't happen in the context of their life. How do you expect women to do it if they don't have paid leave? How do you expect to do it when you have 
fabulous hospitals that might do it for two days, but then when they go out, um, there's no support in the community. So a lot of our work, um, if you look at the bottom chart, it tells you the hospital rates in Alameda County, and Highland is the third one where we have 95% um, uh, um, initiation rates. So one of the things that, that really has a protective effect mm -hmm. is if it's not just how many people start, it's how much duration you have. So the premise here is that you don't, the, the idea is not to harangue women and tell them to breastfeed. This is for women who come into the hospital and say, we want to breastfeed. It's data only collected on that. For women who do not want to breastfeed, that's not an issue at all. They're out of the data set altogether. But why is it that women of color tend to uh, go away and start, but don't, are not able to continue doing that? And there are deep reasons uh, for that. Our California is... Um, leading the nation in some of these rates, and that is because we have um, baby-friendly hospitals, which are the gold standard of hospitals, of maternity care practices, and Highland happens to be one of them. So um, at this conference, um, I worked very closely with the African-American and Latina communities, not very much with the Asian-American community. So um, when I worked with the New York Health and Hospitals um, in, in the South Bronx, I worked closely with the, the South Asian community, Bangladeshi, Pakistani, but not as much with the others. But I'm always asked, as, a, as one of the rare South Asian folks in the MCH uh, federal uh, uh, level, I am asked to often give a perspective from the Asian American point of view. And so I had a lot of help here. I have to thank Ishwari, who gave me uh, lots of input about here, the work that she has done with the Hmong community. I wanted to get some insights about how do these different communities uh, you know, intersect with the health systems, like how do they work with them, how, what are the barriers that they face, and how might we as hospital systems, as uh, uh, community health uh, clinics, really give care that is relevant to them in their context, that makes them that, that you know, uh, because um, th that understands that. So, as you can see, this is a very large and uh, diverse community. And often, a big part of this is when you see a view across the cultures, is there are such, such great differences <coughs> and nuances. One of the things that we see a lot among our um, low-income communities is that the barriers that they face to access health, the structural barriers, the, the implicit biases they, fee, they face in the health system, often in accessing healthcare, creates like toxic stress in the body. That's an allostatic load. Like when you have that kind of toxic stress, it predisposes you to chronic disease in much more ways. You have adverse, uh, you know, childhood experiences. So in the care that we give, our, our Highland hospital here, hospital here has done so much, and I, I should say that I was lucky to speak with Michelle Bunker-Alberts, who's a family nurse practitioner here. Minnie Swift gave me a lot of good information, um, but 
um, the MCH department here, really, you could be a model, and I hope that you all will present at one of our CDC, USBC-sponsored webinars that we have on maternity care practices. Um, sometimes I uh, leave my own county last of everything, but as a vantage point of knowing what every state in the country is doing, and sometimes there is no other there is no other county right now that is doing the kind of work, and I can say that myself, in, in doing what it's doing for um, Asian Pacific health. Uh, this is a new task force that's just opened called ASAP, Asian Southeast Asian Pacific Islander uh, Task Force, that's looking at creating educational components for providers, physicians, nurses, uh, webinar uh, things, but coming together to see how might we reach our nation's goals. Like we, why are our, um, you know, Alameda County happens to do well, but the rates of breastfeeding among our Asian population is pretty bad, pretty, pretty bad. And when you have aggregate data like this, you do not get to see how great the disparities are within the subgroups. Often it perpetuates the myth that this is a model minority group and everyone is you know, well-educated and high income, and that is so not the case. There are very, very stark differences between them. And it's a vicious cycle where you don't have enough data so you can't see that. So there has to be very intentional data collection. And I feel that now with the ATR and your new birthing facilities, there's real scope for you all to, as you have planned and budgeted, to get more um, uh, folks into the maternity care. Because we do know that a lot of our patients are getting prenatal care here, but they won't always come in here to have their babies. This really is a hospital that does so much that in, in terms of your hiring practices, you have lactation consultants that really reflect the community, that, that are from the community. You have mentoring for them. You have scaffolding for the nurses who come in and to get their clinical skills up. So um, I hope that, you know, this... Uh, the kind of work that's happening in Alameda County as you work on your strategic plan, that there are lots of uh, possibilities for connection between the system and the county and other en entities that we might um, work to improve these rates next year and the year later. We'll look to see better results with the new uh, standards of care that you have. So, thank you. Well, thank you. Very interesting. Appreciate it. Uh, we will move on to the CEO's report. Thank you. Thank you. That was a nice report. Thank yes, you. It Thank was. you for sharing it. I, I was curious. Was were you in one of those pictures? Yes. I thought that was you. That's 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 awesome. Um, good evening, trustees. Good to see you as always. Um, I'm going to try to um, uh, be brief because we have a pretty packed agenda. Um, just had a few things uh, that have at least recently occurred or uh, coming up that I wanted to bring to your attention. And as you note under the agenda, we have one um, so, uh, update requested, I think, by Trustee Lawrence. It also could have been Trustee Jensen, but we want to give you uh, the trustees an update on um, uh, the recent uh, state legislation uh, related to um, uh, the uh, healthcare district, specifically the Eden uh, Township Healthcare District, and some of the work that's going on sort of around that. So I've asked Terry to come uh, to, to share with you some updates in that front end, and I'll pick up once he's done. So, Terry. 
evening. This one. Is this one right? Yeah. Cool. Good evening, trustees. Thank you for uh, allowing me to, to speak with you this, this afternoon, this evening. Um, I wanted to give you a very brief update on what has been a very lengthy saga around um, Eden Healthcare District and our attempts to garner resources from them to support uh, San Leandro Hospital and subsequently St. Rose Hospital as well. So as you recall, um, I think it was back early spring, the board did endorse uh, two um, <clears throat> assembly bills that would impact Eden Healthcare District. Assembly Bill 2730, brought forward by Rob Bonta, which would require Eden to um, provide at least 80% of their revenue toward direct healthcare services, um, was passed through the, the legislature and was subsequently signed into law by the governor last week. Um, the, that law will go into effect January 1, 2017. Um, AB 2471, which was brought forward by Assemblyman Quirk, um, was pulled um, at, at, at his discretion to enable a local process to, to, under, to um, take place that would look at possible dissolution of Eden Township District. So that legislation has been pulled and was not brought back again during the session, but could be brought back again next year if he was so inclined. So um, currently, as a result of those um, those issues, the local LAFCO um, here in Alameda County is initiating a process to begin reviewing um, Eden Healthcare District. Um, they have meetings scheduled um, the middle of this month in Hayward and Castro Valley to begin to talk to the public about their understanding of the of Eden Healthcare District. Um, both San Leandro City Council and Alameda, I'm sorry, San Leandro City Council and Hayward City Council both approved resolutions of supporting a dissolution of Eden Healthcare District. Um, it was Hayward who actually requested that the study be done um, and LAFCO agreed to undertake that study. That is, that is taking place as we speak um, and that is scheduled to be completed, I believe, in December or early January. So um, they've both asked, within that study, they've asked to look at the fiscal impact of, of Eden's um, books, what resources they have, and also to consider uh, moving toward dissolution. Um, what has not occurred, even though both cities have requested and supported dissolution, neither city has actually submitted an application to actually ask LAFCO to dissolve the district at this point. So that would need to occur before um, the district can take any action. Let's see. Can I just ask, does that request have to be from one of those cities or could it come from someone like us? It would need to come from a public agency within the district. It's, I'm it's not a, sure that it would apply to us though. Yeah, I think it's a public agency that, that has jurisdiction within the district of the local agency so geographic district it, I think. correct okay so one of the municipalities yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, so the county couldn't either i don't believe that's yeah, yeah, possible yeah. i think it has to be the city i think it has to be one of the, the, the yeah doing, yeah and is there a timeline for this for the 
the, the studies? So the, the target date for the study is to be complete um, either in late December or early January. That's what they're targeting at this point. Is it likely that the study, if it were to conclude the dissolution made sense, that then San Leandro or Hayward would, would request it? Is that kind of like the next logical step? I'll, I'll jump in here. Um, I, so, so the study wasn't a requirement. Uh, so so the, it's a bit of a question mark. I mean, it, it, the, the fact that the, uh, the city, uh, that Hayward yes. uh, uh, asked for the study, um, I think was a, uh, it, it wasn't a. They didn't have to do that if, in order to move towards a um, a request or a formal application for dissolution. So, so not entirely clear whether uh, a study and the subsequent results of the study will will uh, lead to either one of them actually then taking the step, or if the inherent nature of the study itself may cause the township, with, uh, the district, healthcare district to do something different. Uh, it's it's all a big question mark, I would say. I don't, I, don't, I don't know that we could say with certainty that the study will lead to either one of those actions occurring. You know, Guy, Guy mentioned, and just for my own clarification, Guy mentioned earlier about uh, 6 or 7% of, of the referrals to John George coming from Eden. What, who does... What, what does that mean? Eden Hospital. When Eden, Eden Hospital, Hospital. Not the township. Yeah, Eden Got it. Hospital. Okay. Sutter facility. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Sure. I'm sorry. I'm so ignorant about this. Oh, uh, no. No apologies necessary. Anything else? No, we will uh, keep you posted as uh, the, it, the uh, process so continues. I, yes, sir. Okay, so we have the law in the books that they have to spend 80% of their budget on health care delivery. Mm -hmm. How does that law and the LAFCO action interact? I mean, are these two separate issues or are they like... So the law is prospective, so it's on a go-forward basis from implementation uh, or uh, 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 effective date of the law that that, that is the expectation uh, that the law required that. I don't know that the law has um, any sort of uh, built-in provisions for reporting and uh, um, um, sort of monitoring of that, except that, you know, the expectation is set and certainly somebody would be at some point, you know, responsible for, for or has the obligation to make sure that that's actually occurring. Um, the study, though, on the other hand, is a retrospective review of what has happened okay. uh, to see where, you know, the resources have been used, what are their assets, and, uh, and uh, also, I think, um, a series of interviews with members of the community to kind of get a sense of the community's impression about the the role and the subsequent sort of execution of that role or value, if you will, of uh, Eden Township in actually promoting its mission. Hey, can I, yeah, you, I, I, thanks for mentioning the meetings. So these public meetings that LAFCO is going to hold, do we and do the cities of San Leandro and Hayward and other interested parties expect to have people there to speak? I know how, I know how public meetings go yeah. and I know how they can impact decision makers. Uh, if, People are there and show up and are loud and want to protect. I think that's why there's a study. Right, but I mean, yeah, and how public meetings go. <laughs> so I just want to make sure we have people or there are people at the table who are speaking with a voice of reason about the bigger picture as opposed to just potentially current members. Uh, you know, there are, these are elect, somewhat elected officials, I think, um, the, the health care district. 
board. I think there are some, right? I mean, I would hate to see just a group of very concerned people wanting to protect their interests showing up and advocating and not have that balance of advocating for the bigger healthcare delivery system. The, the interesting discussion at the last LAFCO meeting was that LAFCO was concerned that no one would come to a LAFCO meeting because no one knew what LAFCO was. Yeah. And that you would have very few people in the audience who would know what the healthcare district was to get feedback. <laughs> so they actually asked the cities of Hayward and San Leandro to host the meetings uh, because they felt that might actually encourage more people to attend. Uh, at which point one of the members of the district said he felt a little uncomfortable having the cities that want them to be dissolved leading to public <clears throat> outreach for the meetings. So it's been a very interesting conversation to to this point. I'm not quite sure where it's going to go. Well, yeah, and I'm curious about those hundreds of people that showed up to save San Leandro Hospital that demanded and begged Alameda Health System to purchase San Leandro Hospital and keep the emergency room open. I think they need to know that these meetings are happening and that, that the final outcome could be not the dissolution of a district, but the proper assignment of those assets to provide emergency medical services in their cities, right? So, like, there must be a list. Well, uh, yeah. I'm and, and sorry. I'm gonna, actually, can, Kenny, I, I, bet, I mean, you were part of that, right? Yeah, so Sam Leandro has not scheduled, Sam Leandro has not scheduled yet. So it's uh, Hayward so far. Oops, sorry. Hayward so far, but the uh, communities are galvanizing. Okay, good. And so I hope that, uh, you know, some of the your patient population over here and things that there is some kind of, you know, advocacy that happens um, here as well to educate your folks about, you know, what this might have. So if there's any kind of, you know, even a, an informal campaign with talking points and things that you can have for your patient advocates and for others so we can galvanize the community. You know, I, I think, in, and if you don't mind, I know that you were going to do an ad hoc for the retreat, but mm -hmm. these are the kinds of topics that I would think would be beneficial for us to really get into So, because right. they're very specific. So the Eden issue as well as the task force for uh, St. Rose and which is going on there, and then the yes. whole PES, um, those are really meaty kind of topics yep. that I think would be worthwhile for a retreat. Okay. Okay. And Terry, thanks for tracking this. I mean, I know you put a lot of time into it, and I appreciate that. Thank You're you. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'll go through a couple of my quick notes. So you just touched on one of them. So looking forward to our retreat at the end of next uh, month, our board retreat. Uh, and um, I have telegraphed to uh, um, Madam President that uh, uh, as, as is our uh, form for these things. We tend to get at least two uh, trustees together to kind of inform uh, what would be a worthwhile agenda uh, uh, to use our time together uh, uh, valuably. Uh, so um, we have a few ideas uh, just today in, in our two different meetings. We can we can take that and run with it. There are a couple of other sort of uh, uh, board type um, uh, things that we might want to take up too. We're going to do some of that in the education meeting in terms of evaluation. But uh, And the strategic uh, plan, I imagine you're going to... Correct. Strategic plan is one. Education calendar for next year uh, um, would be some things. But um, to that end, I could, we can take this in one or two directions. We could do a... What we usually do is have at least one, sometimes two 
uh, offline communications with two trustees to kind of pull this together. We could do it, you know, all offline. However of you course, choose, we could do that that, so. that way. Okay. okay. Uh, which the latter? So we just offline. Okay. So I'll work with you to do a poll, and we can make yes, sure we have thank you. that, and then come up with a schedule that seems reasonable and uh, um, you know appropriate time to kind of discuss uh, the number of things you'd like to in depth. Okay. Okay. Uh-huh. All right. Thank you. Uh, just a couple of uh, FYI. So I want to. Um, uh, uh, um, our foundation president uh, Deborah is uh, here, and I want to congratulate them. On Monday, they had their annual uh, golf uh, fundraiser event, and uh, uh, it was another smashing success, I would say. Um, uh, and I just want to congratulate them uh, for all the great work that they have done and continue to do on behalf of the organization. I will take the point of personal privilege to point out that they didn't have the guacamole. Uh, that they had the last year and you know a lot of people kept complaining they all sounded like me but a lot of people were complaining about that lack of guacamole so we did have sliders I, I think I think we got to lobby to bring the guacamole back but otherwise it was an excellent event well, more importantly how did you do oh we uh, oh look at the time <laughs> I'm gonna wrap up here <laughs> really quickly uh, the more to come on that uh, let's see. So uh, next Friday, I want to point out that uh, we're doing our annual uh, uh, service um, uh, employee service award uh, or service recognition night, and I think this one's titled "A Night of Milestones." So we recognize people with uh, milestone uh, uh, years of tenure within the system, uh, and I think we have special emphasis on the milestones between 20 and 50 years, of which we generally have a, not, a lot of employees to celebrate. So we're excited about that. It'll be next Friday, October 7th at the Greek Orthodox uh, Temple. And uh, as many of you who are interested, uh, you are invited. I'd love to, we'd love to see you there to help to celebrate some of our more longer tenured uh, uh, members of the AHS uh, family. So that'd be very nice. Um, uh, let's see. I wanted to talk about, oh wait, did I get everything? I think I did. Oh, the last thing I want to talk about is uh, uh, the Medi-Cal program is actually celebrating its 50th year uh, this year, and so actually in Alameda County, we're going to have a series of events on um, um, Wednesday, October 26th, uh, in three different locations throughout the county. Uh, one of them in downtown Oakland, and it seems to be largely spearheaded by the Alameda Alliance, which makes sense, because it's a Medi-Cal managed care program, but uh, there's a lot of participation on the delivery side, including AHS, and uh, one of the things we're going to do is have our uh, mobile van at the uh, location for the event and offering, um, I think it's flu, flu vaccines and um, uh, maybe some other health screening uh, type. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so we're excited about that. And uh, uh, we can send out the invite for that. So it's three different locations, three different times throughout that day. And uh, again, if you're subject to your availability and your interest, you're, you're more than welcome uh, to join us. Okay. And with that, I'll, I'll be honest. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so I will move on to the approval of the minutes. Can I have a motion to approve? I move that we approve the minutes. Second. Uh, all those in favor? Aye. Aye. Okay, I will ask now for the consent agenda, um, and we uh, can... If I could interrupt, and I apologize. If I could uh, recommend that you uh, handle the uh, items A through D separate from item E on the consent agenda. Say that again? If you could handle items A through D, uh, 2A through D, <coughs> separate from item 2E, uh, there is one uh, trustee who will That's be recusing themselves from oh. item 2E. I think you have to leave. Well, doesn't she just, she just, yeah. okay, well, our, uh, we're taking advice from our attorney, yes. so, okay, so, so, so the do I have be... a motion to approve A, B, C, and D? 
Second. Uh, all those in favor? Aye. Aye. Thank you. Um, and this is the first time there were a couple on that had to do with um, with medical medical issues. This these got on before our agreement, so there is nothing on here that shows that there's been a sign off. But we we are assured that the next round will in fact have a sign off, so that the board knows that the appropriate doctors have been involved. So I want you to know that we're following up on that. Okay, um, we will take item E, and one of our board members needs to recuse herself. So, um, she And did. the minutes should so yeah. reflect. She did. Yes. That was very, yeah. Stealth. Okay. Um, I move that we approve item E. I second. All those in favor? Okay. Does that meet your... Do you need to tell us something first? No. Is uh, Trustee Lujanani, has he joined us? He's not joined us. Oh. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, well, let's continue on. Let's see if he joins us, and then we can revisit this. Either issue. that or we have to bring it back to the next meeting. Yes. Or, or we do a ratification. Or, yes. So we can go forward, but the board then can ratify it at the next meeting. So we don't hold up. We can, we can figure out something. Okay. Thank yeah. you, Mike. Oh, wait, I think it's turned. No, that wasn't it. Oh. <clears throat> okay, uh, may is I that have. You, Jim? Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Okay, can I have a motion to approve the policies and procedures, please? So moved. Second. Thank you. Um, all those in favor? Aye. Great. Um, then we'll move to our action items and item number one for contract approval for Freed Associates. Um, Mr. Cox, you want to give us some information? Um, yes, we're, uh, what this contract does is it provides $195,000 to conduct an assessment of um, ambulatory access. In fact, we're calling it the Ambulatory Access Redesign or Expansion Project. Uh, what we're going to do is look at um, everything on the front end from scheduling, um, authorization process, um, pre-registration to identify internal barriers that we have to uh, providing uh, access to uh, primary care and specialty services. Okay. Uh, Del Vecchio, the only question <clears throat> I have is what is the relationship between this and lean? Oh, um, not really. I, I, it's, there's no real connection, although um, the, the sort of the broader um, uh, tenets of lean looking at uh, um, efficiencies and the elimination of waste is uh, uh, there, there could be some types of work that happen within this that would be done under a construct of if you have Okay, to, so uh, team, and maybe before we talk about it, I should ask for a motion to approve. Do, uh, is there a second? And then we can have the discussion. I apologize for the, the difference. Um, well, because the, the lean process of, of trying to look at throughput and the efficiencies, and I know that that was something that we had committed to, and when we hired you, you were. Mm -hmm. So I just wonder at what point does lean enter into our organization? I'm happy to share with you that uh, we are recruiting for that role, for the leadership role. For it. We, we already have uh, some staff. We kept some skeletal staff uh, after some of the uh, uh, turnaround work we had to do over the last year and a half or so. Uh, so we still have the staff there, but we uh, have, have 
really not, we've lost the leadership and the infrastructure behind it. Uh, we're recruiting for a role now. We are down to a few. We've narrowed the candidate process down. Uh, that role will re report to our chief operating officer. So he's leading that recruitment. And uh, so we expect uh, to be able to. Okay. I was going to mention this during my strategic plan update, but but yeah, that's, it's in the works. Okay. Thank you. The, the other thing is, David, I, this, this has been a concern of the board about access. So I think it's really beneficial that we see something like this that's going to do uh, and find out why we can't get people in quicker. Yes. Please. So yeah, aside from lean, are there, I mean, I'm guessing in this whole redesign and things, there are other QI <coughs> things that are happening right now. And if it's not lean, other quality improvement things in process? And in the ambulatory center, as they're thinking about oh, the, um, yeah, yeah, always. I mean, design can, can speak to some, but we have. Uh, yeah. So uh, we we are uh, we are seeking the freed really to have an effective concurrent dashboard, so we can see where the problems are. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, we have our ambulatory care director here at Highland, uh, Dr. Babarian. I rounded with her yesterday. And she has really done fantastic work. I learned today that we don't have any backlog of any patients in primary care. And uh, if we, uh, uh, they, have, they have got the backlog and called every single patient multiple times and asking them to come as an add-on. So we cleared, she cleared this backlog totally. Uh, and our uh, like, uh, third next available is within one week. But I asked her to validate this number. And uh, she has uh, designed a way in the call center to fast track the call to the practice and divided the practices into pods so they will work as teams. So that, that really is going to create uh, access. Now, uh, in the other uh, wellness centers, they have also found uh, you know, ways with variable success in terms of one uh, utilization rate of the block time and, uh, and uh, the decreasing the no-show rates. Like Hayward is very successful in decreasing the no-show rates. It's, it's in the teens. Here it has gone down from 50%, 24%. So access really is not just hiring people. One, we don't want to bring the patients unnecessarily to the clinic. We want to use the slots as efficiently as possible. And we want to use technology in terms of phone calls and design the workforce in a more efficient way by integrating uh, allied health practitioners in those, in those teams. So it's, it's really a, a lot of work. Uh, the utilization of lean in the, in the next phase will be like, very effective because we want to make everything visible and problem solve like every single day uh, to, to, to have access for our patients. So Dr. Jamaluddin, how will this contract help you? So this contract is going to help us uh, basically on looking at uh, process mapping in the front end, how the patients get registered, how the patient's uh, um, uh, flow works, uh, and in terms when we order tests for the patients, how we close the loop on the test and how long does it bring the test. So it's going to really highlight all these gaps in the, in the, in the system. Okay. If, if, if I, oh. I was just going, I, 
first and foremost, I appreciate the question because this is exciting for us. I'm glad that we have an interest in that we're all behind this philosophy of really incorporating lean as, as our management philosophy here. Um, I, I can say that I've been, uh, I've been in contact and I'll be working closely with Freed as it relates to bringing that link together. I mean, this really is an assessment of what is the current state, what does it look like? Then we're looking at applying the lean principles to go ahead and drive and promote the change. Uh -huh. So that's how this will come together. So you're absolutely correct. We currently have a lot of activities going on across the system. And there's people doing work to make improvements in certain areas. But our goal here long term is once we have the right structure, the right leadership in place, we will go ahead and, and, and take a systematic approach to making sure that what we're doing is system-wide is considering all the variables and complexities of our facilities and our systems, and we can then drive and make the improvement. And really is, it, it, at the end of the day, it's a cultural shift of what we used to do and where we need to go. So this assessment will help influence the work that needs to happen to help us drive and make this necessary change. Great. Thank you. Just well, we real, go ahead. I'll be real quick. So sure. uh, I think I heard you say that we're getting to a point where we're, for primary care, we're getting people appointments within a week. Yes, in, in Highlands, that I'm testing here at Highlands, oh. at K6. Yeah, uh, I, uh, I, I, you know, I have used, we have used consultant in my previous job, and I was very skeptical as a physician, but when we used, we used the same thing with McKinsey, and it helped us in creating really a very effective dashboard that is system-wide effective. Okay. So and, and, but my follow-up question is, wasn't, uh, isn't our bigger problem in the specialty clinics? That, that's yes. where we're, we're, right. we're out. They are going to assess the specialty clinic as well. Got it. Yeah. Oh, good. Right. Okay. No, no, okay. Absolutely. Okay. Well, then let's take a vote on this. All those in favor? Aye. Okay. Uh, let's move to action number two. The merger between Beta Risk Management Authority can have a motion to approve before we discuss. So moved. Second. Okay. Um, David? Uh, uh, actually, Mike? I'm going to uh, oh. take this one. So thank you very much. And uh, so in the packet, uh, each of you would have seen an, an agreement of merger and an amended uh, and restated joint uh, powers operating, or, excuse me, joint powers authority association <coughs> agreement. And so those are the two documents that you'll be giving approval to today. And this involves uh, a merger between our risk manager, uh, Mid-Agency, which provides liability insurance beta, uh, along with the Alpha Fund, which provides a workers' comp insurance uh, for a, uh, a, a group of uh, hospitals. And just by way of background, um, Alpha Fund uh, basically provides workers' comp to the Association of California Healthcare Districts. Beta, at one point, had a relationship with the Association of California Healthcare Districts. Uh, when that relationship terminated several years back, one of the requirements was that beta was not allowed to go into the workers' compensation market. So over the course of time, and right now, you know, the, the market is that there's consolidations and mergers going on within all of the insurance. So this is, you know, sort of reflected with that piece. So, you know, this basically will um, sort of bring beta and alpha back together again. Beta will be the surviving entity, uh, if you will, in that uh, alpha uh, or that the beta joint powers operating agreement will be become um, uh, the primary agreement there and alpha fund will just be incorporated. And, and we don't have any financial contribution we make to the, to the joint to the kitty? Well, well, we do in the, that we're a member of beta and we pay 
premiums essentially for the uh, risk services that they provide to us. But this is not going to have any impact on those services per se. We're just providing a. So we've already given the dollars, so there's no impact on the on the. Precisely. On, okay. Thank Precisely. you. Precisely. Um, you know, as I laid out in the memo, there are certain um, economies of scale to be obtained mm -hmm. uh, through this merger. Uh, it doesn't affect us directly with regard to workers' comp because we do not get our workers' comp uh, through Alpha Fund, but. You know, sometime down the road, it may very well provide an additional opportunity for us, you know, to consider savings. You know, should that be appropriate? Um, but as a practical matter, it doesn't have any immediate uh, uh, or any anticipated adverse financial impacts. So, as I said, what we'll be asking is for uh, the board uh, to approve the agreement of merger uh, and authorize the CEO to execute that document. Uh, this is a joint powers authority agreement on, uh, pursuant to the California government code, and the government code, you know, provides the opportunity for public agencies to band together in these joint power arrangements. So one of the requirements is that the governing board must approve a, any change in the joint power structure. So that's why we're bringing this to uh, you for your approval. Um, and then there is another issue which is not directly related to the merger, but ultimately BETA has to amend their bylaws to incorporate the fact that they are now this JD. AA and their alpha fund is part of that. That typically would not require board approval, but because it's part of this, I'm just including this in, uh, as well as part of the discussion. So those are the uh, items there. We've prepared a resolution uh, that would basically uh, lays out you know, mm -hmm. the information set forth in the memo, uh, and I'm not entirely clear that they would require a resolution at Alpha and Beta, but just to be on the safe side, you know, we'll have that as well, too. Okay. So, if, unless there are any questions, you know, the recommendation of staff is that we do approve the merger uh, and then authorize the CEO to execute the documents. Approve necessary. the merger and the resolution. That's correct. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> I move that we approve the merger and the resolution, if we can do that as one motion. Thank you. I mean, it's already on the table, so oh, I'm sorry. just good. That's okay. Yeah. I'm going to take okay. a vote. All those in favor? No. Aye. There you go. Um, okay. And you. you're on, Counselor, for the next one. Okay. Um, so this is actually uh, quite a uh, quite interesting uh, to talk uh, once again about the uh, the healthcare for the homeless uh, program. Uh, as you recall, uh, way back uh, almost a year ago now, uh, we were had come to the board regarding a HRSA site visit, you know, which would identify a need. Uh, to modify the governance structure, or to create a governance structure for the healthcare for the homeless programs, which you know basically are operated uh, jointly by the county and by Alameda Health System, and essentially that HRSA site visit, you know, uh, noted that uh, HRSA had earlier, you know, essentially eliminated a waiver, uh, which you know allowed us to operate these programs without creating governance structure, which was uh, required by the regulations. And so the initial um, discussion, you know, both at this board and at the county was the need to establish a co-applicant governing board, um, co-applicant meaning between the county and AHS, you know, to deal with the uh, health care for the homeless programs. And so the initial step was to approve taking that approach, uh, which ultimately was going to lead to the establishment of the, uh, or which ultimately resulted in the establishment of the health care for the homeless commission. So in April of 2016, you know, that plan was uh, approved by this board and the Board of Supervisors <coughs> as a corrective action plan that was submitted to HRSA. Uh, there is a working group uh, which has been um, on this since that time. Trustee DeVries has been in, uh, involved uh, in it. I've been 
uh, I, I've been involved in it. Uh, Heather Fine from our uh, uh, homeless program has been involved with it from the AHS side, and then there have been representatives uh, from uh, the Board of Supervisors, uh, uh, Supervisor Carson and Supervisor Chan's uh, staffs have been involved, and then of course the Health Care uh, Services Agency uh, has been quite involved in David. Dr. Klan under here from the county. Anybody else from the county who's on that? Oh, as well too. So, uh, and they've d done all the laboring work. I my job has been to try and show up for each of the 130 meetings, you know, <laughs> sign it not later than 138, and I believe I've been successful over the course of the last month. But uh, that group, you know, put together um, and worked on an ordinance, and initial bylaws, which were adopted by the board of supervisors. Um, and then subsequent to the adoption of the board, uh, bylaws uh, and the ordinance uh, was the drafting of the co-applicant agreement. And this was intended to be the agreement which would sort of, it was going to follow along what was laid out in the ordinance, but would you know, sort of define the relationship as between the county, AHS, and the commission in terms of the actual operation. And so that's what you have before you here uh, today. Uh, Dr. Clannon made a presentation to the healthcare, uh, health committee um, on the co-applicant agreement at the meeting on Monday, and this will be going to the Board of Supervisors next week for their approval. Um, we're coming right down to the, uh, um, essentially, the uh, timeline that we had with HRSA to address this issue. Uh, we have until the end of the month to provide all of this to them. Uh, but we, I think that, uh, you know, I will, I'll speak for everyone without speaking for everyone, that, you know, it was a, uh, a robust process to not only uh, come up with something that was you know, satisfying of what HRSA required, but also was going to be meaningful in terms of administering these programs. Um, and I think everyone uh, on who was involved in the working group you know, felt that you know, this uh, will actually stand us in good stead. There is a commission which has been appointed. Um, these are com the commissioner commissioners uh, that were approved by the Board of Sep uh, Supervisors last month, uh, and they reflect, you know, one from each of the uh, supervisory uh, districts. Uh, just by way of background, uh, Buna Chima, uh, who was appointed by Supervisor Carson, you know, everybody there, their affiliation is, you know, either direct activity or, you know, affiliation with an organization which is familiar with the needs of the homeless population. Um, so uh, BOSS is uh, building opportunities for self-sufficiency. Uh, Gunachima was formerly the director of that organization. Um, the uh, Lynette Lee is the former director of the East Bay Asian um, uh, Development Corporation. And then FESCO, uh, Gabe McDaniel, FESCO is the... Um, it's uh, the family emergency... Will you do that again, please? Say again? <laughs> the, uh, is the Family Emergency Shelter Coalition Director. Uh, so, and then Sam Weeks, the HDH Consumer Board, that's a requirement of the bylaws that there be you know, an, an actual consumer who's appointed to the board as well, too. We're still looking for one additional appointment, which is really an AHS uh, responsibility with someone who's um, has expertise in the operation of a hospital system so uh, we're still soliciting and hoping to identify someone to fill that particular role so did do you folks have anything to add thank you well I'm going to ask trustee uh, DeVries to make the motion 
Oh, absolutely. Thank you. I make the motion to approve this co-applicant agreement. Mm -hmm. I second. There you go. Uh, all those in favor? Aye. Aye. And thank you so much because this is something we started some time ago, and thank you for your, your participation. It was really easy. I really have to give my hats off to the staff and to, to, to Mike for doing the due diligence and, and all the detail work. And I think it's probably empowering as well to create a commission yes. um, for, for the purpose of this program. And I'm actually going to go to the commission's first meeting tomorrow, tomorrow. Uh, for, for a brief minute. It's a way to escape my office early, and then I'm not going back to work afterwards. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's You know that's on the record, right? Yeah, it's fine. No one's paying attention okay. from the city to this meeting, I hope. <laughs> thank you so much for your work. Yeah. Because you, you, yeah. And thank you, Michael. And just to be clear, so the first meeting of the commission is tomorrow uh, afternoon. It's 3 p.m. at the uh, Health Care Services Agency uh, office in San Leandro. Two? At two o'clock. Okay? San okay. Leandro? Okay. okay. All so. right. Thank you so much. Okay. Um, and I think that is our, uh, we can go now to the discussion item and to um, uh, Jeanette, if you want to give us the information on the employee engagement survey. Okay, th um, thank you. Thank you very much for, for asking us to, um, to put this on, on, on the agenda. You know, I want to make some brief introductory remarks and, and then have have Tony Redmond go over some of the details and then close with what, um, with what I think we need to do moving forward. Um, first, we've been doing, um, the, the first thing we did was, was um, talk about these, re these results on, as an executive leadership team. And, and, um, and we, we all know that engaged employees provide more compassionate and high-quality care to, to, our, to our patients. And, and ultimately, we will, we will also um, be compensated in part, you know, based, based on how, how, our, how our patients um, experience the care that they receive in, in our facilities. Um, we also know that engaged employees are better able to um, participate in in all the changes that we have underway and the changes that will, that will come over the next couple of years as we move toward um, population health management. Um, we need to, um, to make sure, and we all committed to making sure that all AHS leaders recognize that fostering engagement is a critical part of our roles. It's not just important to, to achieve um, the technical financial and, um, and service results that are necessary, but it's also necessary to foster employee engagement. And it will take all of us working together um, to partner in this effort. Um, we've, been, we've been working on this since, um, since 2009. We did our first survey, and, um, and we were in the first percentile. That doesn't mean we're number one. Um, that, um, that means we are um, we are among the um, the organizations with the with the lowest engagement of of our staff, and we continued in 2010 um, to be in the first percentile. We finally moved a little in 2011 to the third, and we've made we've made um, progress um, 
over the over the coming years, but Jeanette, not nearly I, enough. What what is the difference between employee engagement and employee an answering a survey? The the survey measures measures how engaged the employees are. It doesn't measure their opinion about a survey. I'm I'm not understanding the difference between engagement oh. and. <laughs> I know. I think I know. So engagement doesn't mean completion. So the, these percentages are the number of employees that are beyond a certain threshold of fee, of engagement score mm -hmm. of feeling engaged in you know those different metrics that you have right. so if i answer a survey and give my opinion i am engaged in the organization is no, that what no, the, no, 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 no 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 we we also want a high level of participation frankly when we first started we had we had about 40% participation i think and um, in 2014 in the survey in in the in the survey in 2014 we had um, 83% participation, which is almost unheard of, you know, in, in employee surveys. In 2016, we went, we, we had 70%, you know, participation in the, in the, in the survey. But, but, but when we, when we report on the percentile, what we're, what we're reporting on is, is the, there's a, there's an algorithm that Prescani and other survey organizations have based on based on the the employees responses to a series of questions and 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 they put that together and that's that's where this percentile ranking comes from is that did, did words, i did i so, so the filling out the survey is like showing up to vote this is yeah. not a measurement of how many people voted this is an assessment of kind of what they voted for and so back in 2010 they gave us really bad marks at one percent, we were mm -hmm. the least engaged. Now we've moved up. Is to that 3%. what that means, or does that mean one yes. percent filled out the survey? No, no, no. 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 That means based on the forty percent who voted, our engagement thing. is in the in the hopper. And so, now, although so, although more people now have filled out the survey, we peaked at eighty-three. We've dropped to seventy, but that's still really good because only like. You know, a think about, think about American already. voting, you know. Yeah. So a lot of people are voting. Let me, let me try it. I, I think it will be a little bit clearer once you get to the other side, but, but just to try this. So so when you do an engagement survey, like you're not helping right now. Yeah. Hold on. <laughs> <Okay>. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, got a time crunch. I I'm it. almost 70 years old. You, I mean, this brain. <laughs> okay. Where? Thank you, Counselor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, when when you do an engagement survey, uh, you're you're rating um, questions, certain questions like how how responsive is the organization to my needs? How responsive is my supervisor to my needs? Um, do I have these? Um, do I feel I have the resources I need to do my job? Does my organization care about safety? All these types of things. And we end up with a score that's along a continuum of, of one or I guess zero to, to five. 
whenever that score comes up, wherever that score lands, that score rates us amongst everybody else who takes the score, and they put you in percentiles. So, so in 2010 or 20, 2009, what Jeanette's saying is like we had 40% of our workforce, which is still considered a representative sample for a survey, not high, but representative. Um, that score that we ended up with was amongst the lowest. In fact, it was 99% of the organizations that took the survey scored higher than we did. 2010, same thing. That score put us in the lowest group of people who, who, when they took all those questions and put them on a scale, we performed the lowest. And that number has, that performance has been ticking up over time. So, so, so I have to process it. Sure. So, if if in 2010 mm -hmm. you had 20% of the staff who were responding, mm -hmm. and they gave us a 1%, I mean, they gave us, we were on the a score, ended a up score in the first being, yeah. being the first percentile. Mm -hmm. And you go to 80% of the people, mm -hmm. and they give us a score. Uh, uh, that puts you a little bit higher, or? Well, it seems to, yeah, I'm not understanding it's, the it's, relationship so it's, between. So there's no relationship, there's, there, there shouldn't, there isn't a nat necessarily a correlation between the number of people who respond to the survey and the score you get, except obviously, you know, the higher the number, your, your response. So, if twenty percent of the people said we were great, no, it's not like that. Let me let me let me put it in education terms. Wait. So, think about your school has a standardized test. Now, forty percent of the kids took the test. I'm seventy. Remember. I know. Okay. So, forty percent of the kids took the test at, at Berkeley Unified. Their results ranked Berkeley Unified in the first percentile compared to all other schools around the country. Now, just because 80% of kids took the standardized test in 2014, that's, that, that, that's really, it, it, it doesn't matter. It's how did Berkeley Unified now rank based on those results with every other school that took the test in the country. So think about that. They're very, they're two separate things. So participation in the survey is just who filled out the survey. Based on those results that she's going to go into, we've been ranked amongst all the other hospital systems in the country. We were in the first percentile, and now we're in the 27th, so we've gotten better. Does that? Does that? Yes. Okay. Former superintendent schools, right? Okay. Who took the test. That's right. Yes. It doesn't right. tell us about the people who didn't That's take the right. test, except that they weren't involved enough to take it. Right. They didn't even care enough to take it, which is another piece of yeah. Right. Okay. But 80, 70 percent is great. Seventy percent is, is, is a more than representative sample. That, that gives us a really good picture what our employees really think and what our employees really care about. And, and you understand I ask this question every time you present this survey, and so I'm still... Maybe so. we should have you take the survey, then you would understand a little more. I mean, about what, what kinds of questions they are. Well, let's, let's get into it. <laughs> okay. Well, is there, they are specific uh, I, to, are they, and they're gonna, very annoying to tell you. <laughs> I, I do have a question. Is there granularity in that? If we are 27th percentile related to all hospitals or like county hospitals? No, or like all, 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 all hospitals. All we, just, we decided fairly early on that we did not, Want to want to rate ourselves against county hospitals? We wanted to rate rate our, ourselves against against all the hospitals that participate in the survey, and there are a lot of them in 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 most of the of the organizations that have they have 
really high, really high engagement and that are well known in the organization use this particular survey that we started using in 2013. So, so, so in a, in a way we've, no, I won't, I won't try to explain, <laughs> explain how, how it's. Can I just say, the, mm -hmm. the important thing about this is that organization that they have employee engagement, high score, they have patient and client satisfaction high school. Mm -hmm. It's very, very solidly correlated with, with mm -hmm. the client and the patient satisfaction. Mm -hmm. That's why it took major, major uh, focus the past decade, especially, you know, in healthcare industry. So those two go together. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, the progress in our, in our rankings, you know, I would say some of the, the progress has been based on actual progress in and increases in engagement, and there are some parts of the organization where we can can feel that when we're rounding more than more than others. Um, some of it is also because um, the rest of the of the industry has has gone down in employee engagement as the economy has improved. When the economy was was doing really badly, you know, in in 2008 2009. People were really happy because they were so grateful that they had a job. They weren't thinking, mm. you know, maybe I can find a better place to work. So, so some have some have have gone down, and but we have we have at, at least um, held held our own moving forward. But um, we need to move a lot faster because we need to improve our patient experience a lot faster. Um, there have been. Um, there have also been lots of changes in the last two years. You know, there's a departure of a of a CEO, um, and um, about um, eight eight months before before um, Del Vecchio arrived, we were in major financial distress, and and frankly, um, a lot of our effort was based on um, putting our financial um, house in order. And during that time, you know, we also you know reduced. Some of the communication venues that we had that we had um, set up over time that people counted on and 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 enjoyed learning about things and um, and our our new COO Luis Fonseca and I are working on you know improving improving um, you know our communication processes in the in the organization. Um, it, it, one of one of the things that I need to point out is is that um, improving employee engagement isn't just about about um, sharing the sharing the results and and working with your employees to to make improvements. There, the um, the survey also you know when you when you get into the details like I have you know po points out you know areas of. Um, of, of distress and, and low engagement around the around the organization and and as as you look at, look at the questions and, and and what's being rated is it the organization is it the manager or or is it the work um, there there is a lot of work that um, that we that we need to do to improve the um, the the competency and and ability of, of all of our leaders to lead their employees. Uh, when I um, first, when Del Vecchio first got here, he told me that, that he wanted to be an employer of choice. And, um, 
And, and, and I agree that, that, is, that that's a great goal, but um, we, have, we have a lot of work to do in order to get there, and, um, and, and I um, need, to, need to thank um, SEIU leadership for um, bringing issues to our attention that we need to um, address right away, and we will. So at this point, I'll turn it over to Tony to go over some of the details. We provided a lot of demographic information because we thought you would be interested in it. And, and you may notice, notice what, um, what Del Vecchio noticed, which is that the, you know, the, the, numbers, the numbers on the, on the slides don't, don't match. We got new slides that we thought were correct and I, and I started adding things together and they still weren't correct, but, but we will get you, um, get you the correct um, information for the demographic slides. Sure. Thanks, Jeanette. So, uh, as Jeanette mentioned, we sent you a lot of slides. I'm not gonna go through all of them now, in the, both in the interest of time uh, and our ability to digest it and so that we can leave enough time for you to ask questions and we can make this as interactive as possible. I'm gonna jump forward a number of slides to uh, this. So um, Trustee Lawrence was asking about uh, participation versus engagement. This slide in particular points out what the outcome is. Mm -hmm. And so there are specific questions in the survey that, uh, that Dr. Zothian pointed out of very annoying questions, but it is a validated survey. And so the same um, types of employees throughout the company, uh, throughout the country in this industry take this survey. Um, uh, it has been validated that it shows a particular level of engagement in certain areas, be it about your manager, be it about the type of work you do, or be it about the organization. The outcome um, of engagement is displayed by these particular, out, uh, these particular answers. So we see that uh, the question, would I like to work, would I like to be working here in three years? Would I stay within the organization if I was offered a similar position elsewhere? Overall, am I a satisfied employee? Am I proud to tell people I work in this organization? And I would recommend this as a place to work uh, or uh, as an organization for family and friends to work at. These really are the outcomes of whether an employee is engaged. We can see by these scores that they are engaged or disengaged. Okay, well, will you go across and explain? Yeah, yeah sure. So uh, the first column is 2016 results. Uh, we're going for a score of five, and so these scores are clearly below five. Um, the unfavorable percentage is so we have favorable, neutral, and unfavorable responses on a Likert scale. And so those that were, were explicitly unfavorable responses are shown in that column, as opposed to those that are neutral or favorable. Uh, the, nat the national healthcare average, we're showing that we are 0 .0 in the first line uh, for question 52. We're 0.09 below the national healthcare uh, average for this particular question. Uh, there's a composite of nine other employees that we compared ourselves to that are similar to us, and we're 0.21 below that group. Uh, it's often good to have the national average and then a, a closer comparative group, so that's what we have there. And the, the minus 0.04 is what that's the drop since 2014. And so that was the score uh, we dropped no, uh, 0.04 since 2014. So just one, one clarification, Tony. Yeah. Actually, the, the middle column is... Um What's the what's called the American Hospital Association is broken yeah. into regions, and 
uh, region nine. Norwegian is region nine, nine. which is sort of it's western. Western United. That's yeah. correct. So it's western U.S. So, so, and the reason you one might be interested in, in, in a score that looks at that is that there are uh, some sort of. Uh, there's evidence that there is regional variation and sort of cultural variation in terms of like scores like employee engagement, even patient experience, where uh, there seems to be, at least the last time I looked at it, there was um, more of an inclination for uh, higher uh, so, sort of survey scores that come out of like southern states uh, and, you know, maybe mid, or mid-Atlantic or uh, west coast uh, areas. Uh, um, have different sort of geographical variance, uh, variances in terms of people's willingness to be constructive. So the southern states, uh, some places may have really high scores because people are nicer uh, and less sort of um, uh, heterogeneity in the uh, cultures um, in some places, whereas in other places where there's cultural diversity and or a propensity to be a little bit more, um, um, I want to say critical, but constructive, uh, then you have scores that might reflect that. So there's a kind of a Good, good reason to kind of look at it within those areas as well. So you see the uh, specificity of the outcome here around would I stay here um, in three years from now or would I take a similar job as a real consequence in our ability to attend staff. Engagement goes down, turnover can go up. That has a real cost and has an impact on patient satisfaction and ability uh, to deliver care. Um, these are identified as the key drivers of engagement. So out of all the questions, and there are a large number of them in the survey, these are identified as key drivers. Um, the domain column is split up to employee, organization, uh, and manager. And so the question is, uh, leads to it's either about the employee, the, around them, the work that they do, uh, the organization, so the, the broader context of the organization, or specific to their manager. You see that the key drivers Again, if you look at the unfavorable column, we have, I have confidence in executive management and leadership is an issue for us. Uh, we've got 17% uh, unfavorable response there. This organization makes employees uh, in my work unit want to go above and beyond. That's a, a big What's issue for us. What's the difference between the red and the black? Uh, statistically significant. If so it's black. If it's red. It's red. If yeah. It's red. Yeah. So black may be above or below. Um, red is statistically significant in terms of the movement. Statistically significant difference from the Correct. Yes, that's yes. correct. Yeah. Or so, from where we were in 2014. Yeah, dependent upon the individual column. Yeah. So uh, trust in executive leadership. Obviously, Jeanette uh, mentioned earlier, turnover at the CEO level. We have a new CEO who's come on at, significantly after we took this survey. So a lot of shift there can cause a lot of um, feelings of anxiety in the staff. Who are these people who are coming in? We don't know them. So there's a role there to be played, and obviously some uh, role to be played in terms of improved communication. Well, is there anything to... in the survey? Because everything that you have said yeah. and everything that Jeanette said were subjective. And in essence, you interpreted the conditions. So new CAO, um, the economy, yep. etc. They were all interpretive. Yes. Okay. So but you can't do a direct question to employees and have that be a valid survey and then compare it to well, the national how average. Do you, how do you as a manager, and yep. I'm talking about the management team yep. who looks at this and draws conclusions, how do you filter this to the other employees because you are drawing conclusions. And in essence, you know, it could be that 
So I'm trying to figure okay. out so how I'll, you're draw how these conclusions are being drawn. I'll, I'll come to that in a few minutes okay. around the action planning and how we deal with this. Right. Obviously, um, it's it's been in place here for a number of years and in other organisations, and so there's an action planning process that we go through um, that you could identify what these issues are. But we do work directly with the employees and managers to identify really the, at the detail level what is it they were trying to say when they answered this question. So I'll come to that in a, in a okay. few slides, and if we don't answer it, then we, we can pick up some more questions there. Um, here's a slide around greatest improvements. Um, obviously, a big one from purely from the human resources standpoint and the employee standpoint is uh, I'm satisfied with my benefits. Uh, we have a very positive response to that question. Uh, and obviously a lot of work's gone into play over a number of years to improve the benefit, o uh, benefit offering. Uh, employees have indicated that they're, they're more satisfied with their, with their job security uh, and that there's been improvement in that their responsibilities are clear uh, and that they respect the abilities of the person to whom they report. And the numbers have shifted not too much since 14, but it is a positive shift in the direction as around manager, organization, employee fields. Um, where, we, where we have worked on those particular issues. Uh, the most improved area, obviously, as I just mentioned, is the benefits. Uh, now, whether that's improved communication, uh, improvement in the benefit offering, obviously, in this period, we've acquired two hospitals since the last full survey, and so there's been a positive impact there. Um, in some areas, we saw with the addition of Alameda and San Leandro, some responses were not as positive as we would have hoped, particularly around salary and benefits, as we talked in the last presentation about compensation, and that pulled the overall score down. But we seem to have scored well in, in terms of the benefits overall within the organization. Um, the lowest performing items, uh, employee safety is of particular concern. Clearly, uh, one, the organization cares about employee safety, but the perception of the employees is this is an issue. So obviously something we need to address. Uh, the business being conducted in an ethical managed manner, again, a key issue for us to address. Um, I get tools and resources uh, I need to provide the care and service to our patients. So, again, having what I need to do my work and that my work unit is adequately staffed. So you see significant uh, unfavorable there. In addition, uh, around the career development opportunities, people are not seeing that opportunity both to grow, progress, whether it's promotion, lateral moves. They're clearly not seeing it. Whether we're talking about it enough or whether we're helping people move, there is a perception that that opportunity doesn't exist right now. So something clearly we need to work on. Um, additional low-performing items. Sorry, this is, I saw this earlier. This is a repeat slide, so I'll skip forward. Um, this Jeanette talked about earlier in terms of progression, our overall score. And so you'll see that we plateaued in 16, exactly the same score as 15, no shift. And so although we went up in percentile to the 27th percentile, it wasn't based on a, uh, an improvement in our overall score. It was the fact that healthcare declined overall in the same period of time. Uh, so clearly not satisfied with where we are. Um, this is um, to Trustee Lawrence's question about how, how do you address what employees actually feel. And so this is uh, a model we'll follow and is different, I would say, in the past. Um, how we dealt with engagement here is pretty similar to how I've dealt with engagement in other organizations. You go through a survey, you get a result, you see where you have issues, then you're, uh, we have Olay, but your OD team goes out and deals with those teams that have the lowest scoring results, that's typically called tier three, and they work closely with them. Often, 
that misses out engagement of the senior leadership and the next tier of leaders all the way down in identifying that at each level you are in fact responsible for driving engagement in your area and improving the operation of that area because that in itself will drive engagement. And I think we had been following that same pattern that other organizations do. Go and help the manager who has a low-scoring low unit, help them put together an action plan, help them talk to their employees and start making the, that work. Really, we have to have the accountability structure from the executive leadership team down through the vice presidents, directors, managers to the frontline staff to ensure that everyone is getting what they need uh, to improve the employee environment and that information is flowing back up. So on the right side of the triangle, it's really about identifying barriers, what we feel can't be resolved, making sure that information flows back up to the executive team so that we move those barriers out of employees' way and employees feel as though they're heard which is a key issue in every engagement survey in every company I've worked in, and we're no exception to that. Mostly employees want to be heard, and they want to feel as though when they are heard that you're going to take some action if you possibly can. Now, there are a lot of other issues in individual departments. Um, I met with my own team today. We went over our engagement plan. What, what do the scores actually tell us? What do you actually feel and mean by the way you scored this? And we engage in detailed conversation so that we can start working on that together. There isn't anything individually uh, Del Vecchio could do in, in a, you know, and say engagement gets better. I believe in this, so we have to go and do it. We have to show by our actions, by the executive leadership team, talking about it, feeding information down through the CAOs and down into the frontline staff. In addition to support that, we're working with Press Ganey, um, who recently did an engagement, and John Muir, to drive employee engagement around those tier three populations. They have a very strong consulting group that can come out, work with us to work with those managers to help them. And then our OLA team is working with business partners to go out to each of the facilities, work with the CAOs, and again, drive down the message around engagement and work with them to help them develop action plans with frontline employees around the things that they have identified. Um, as, as we sit, sit here, we can interpret, and it is absolutely that subjective, it's only when you go down to the frontline level and have direct conversations with the staff can you ask them, what did you really mean by this? Because it is national data, we're, we're benchmarking against others, we have to go to frontline staff and really ask them, what did you mean by this? What can we do to improve it? How do we work together to make sure that we're, we're delivering what you need so that you can do your work? Well, I'm sorry, please, go ahead. I've been dying to ask this. Uh, I mean, so. I remember specifically the last time we did this, and it might have been the pulse check, not the full survey, That's right. um, that I get the tools and resources I need to provide the best care service for our clients and patients being our, our soft spot. So it was, that was the case the last time we had this conversation, and I see it's still there. It actually has slipped even a little bit more. Mm -hmm. uh, and I just, I just find that fascinating. And I thought that, was it a year ago, a year and a half ago, we had this conversation that we had some tangibles, uh, you know, in some particular departments where employees felt like they didn't have equipment or supplies, or and, and they weren't. Uh, you know, I, I don't remember all the details, but I, I mean, I remember us, you know, saying, "Hey, drill down there." And so, um, just to say, you know, it's it's, it's obviously still a problem. And I'm really curious about that. I don't remember um, most of these other categories uh, as being. I, I, that's the one that just stands out for me, and so um, uh, maybe the career opportunity one. But I don't, I, yeah, so I just I just wanted to point that out. So I, I'm wondering what's what what are we missing in the pulse check? 
they don't check on all the items, so okay. it's possible they have isolated. Sure. No, and, and actually, for this one, uh, I mean, it's, it's still low. Obviously, I, I think that's an empirical thing we can we can acknowledge. But uh, it, it, the the score you're looking at at the far right is a 2014. That wasn't the pulse check. That was the last. Oh, it was survey. two years ago. So, yeah. Yeah. So I, I actually don't know. We we did this this way because it compares a full survey mm -hmm. to a full yeah. survey. So we'd have to look to I see, see what that but was. But I, I, I remember that very specific yeah. thing. One of, one of the things that's different about the 2016 survey from the 2014 survey is is Alameda Hospital did not participate in the 2014 mm -hmm. survey because we didn't because we didn't yet have them and and I and and I know that they um, that the there, there's been a lot of difficulty, you know, staffing the Alameda Hospital appropriately because of the, because of the salaries and, and, um, and, and the, the hospital not necessarily having all the tools and resources that the, mm -hmm. that the rest of the system has. Those are just a couple of the reasons that I, that I think, think that might be different. I suppose for me, it, you know, there's a fine line between um, the, um, what I would say, the philosophy and the accountability that the board does and trying to stay out of the management. I mean, I, that's not our role. Um, but when you see something that, that repeatedly says safety is a concern and we don't have any, any source of information that says why people think this this survey really for me it doesn't it doesn't give me anything to hold anybody accountable for and i can make the same kind of subjective interpretations that you guys make because i look at this and say well debecca was here and and i think that that's a disservice to an organization when a board doesn't have a sense of those larger issues that say things like, you know, I would not refer my family here. Mm -hmm. Now it may be because they've got insurance someplace else, mm -hmm. um, or they don't, you know, they're concerned about the quality of care. I, I would be interested is once you see that, is what, what results you get when you go back out into your departments and what people say about the organization. Um, that, that to me, I think has more weight for a board and holding a staff accountable than does, yeah. I don't know how, how we can use this. You can use it, but I don't know how well, we can. Yes and no, actually. I would say, uh, I, th I thought this is what, I mean, I think this is partly what Tony was getting at with the pyramid, <laughs> but what does happen, so we're showing you aggregate numbers at the system level. In um, the full survey, we can drill down pretty um, pretty low in the, to the organization, and when I say low, I mean at, at different depths of the organization, uh, down to the unit level, so where there is an individual manager, depending, so long as the size of the workforce is uh, enough that it wouldn't be, I mean, that we want to maintain the sort of confidentiality of, course, of, course. of the survey, but so, so what, what we, what we, what is sort of in contemplated by the follow-up for this is that you would go down, unlike the pulse check where you can only go down to like sort of the director level, and you can't really glean enough from that to say, well, which 
part of the organization said this and why, you know, so who do I follow up with to say what was behind that? We can do that in this case. It still, though, is contingent on people actually sharing what they meant by that. And some of that, quite honestly, I think um, when we do it, you do find that there's still some degree of, of, of subjectivity to it. And so it may not be necessarily actionable. I'll give you an example. The one about the sort of quality of the care in the organization. Um, when I was doing the town halls, which we talked about a lot of things, but this survey feedback was one of them, um, I would just poll people to say, do you have, how many of you know that our SNFs, our four SNFs in the organization are all CMS five-star rated? And almost to a person, except when I did it at the SNFs, no one knew. People would say, oh, I, I had no idea, you know. And it's, some of that is because we maybe don't advertise that or we don't talk a lot about that. Some of it is, is just purely, I believe, um, sort of a subjective nature of an understanding about who we are as an organization that I'm, I'm not sure how we, this is why I said yes or no from a managerial standpoint, how we get at that except to continue to try and see if people can share with us uh, more of what they mean by that and if what they mean by that is then something that's actionable. So for example, if you talk about employee safety and people say things like, well, because someone is out on long-term leave because they had an incident. Well, you know, that's sort of a, it's not, it's not that these things, uh, we can avoid them entirely. They're sort of some occupational hazard related to uh, just the type of work uh, that we do in an organization. And so to the extent that someone interprets that as, that means that there's a safety issue in the organization versus, no, I understand that on balance, this happens one out of, you know, 500 times. So. So I think there's a messaging piece. I think there's also a context piece here. Uh, but, I, but the extent to which when we talk about it at an aggregate level, we can draw some massive conclusions about you know, this one thing or these five things will uh, uh, change that. I'm, I'm, I, I'm still trying to figure out how we, how we do that. So, so it's a fair point. Yeah, from what you said, I mean, there is no uh, scope for any kind of, like, you ask these questions and they give you a score on a Likert, mm -hmm. but there is no open-ended thing where they could feed you some or comment or other uh, option because then you're collecting a lot of um, qualitative data at the same time and analysis would be a bear, but at least you're getting relevant things that why are people, I mean, this thing about, I can understand career development opportunities and things. You're lean, we are not flush, but you know, Folks thinking we are not ethical or that we don't care about employee safety. These are kind of tough things to, for the perception is their reality, right? It is their reality. So, well, One of the things about the, um, the, um, the, the ethics question is, is that means many different things to, to, um, to different levels of people in the, in the organization. I mean, to me, it, it would mean, you know, are we... Are we, are we, you know, honest, honest in, in, in caring, and do we, do we concentrate on always doing the right thing? I, I, would, I would say that that's ethical. Um, to to in a, an employee that's working in a unit that's short-staffed because we're not, we're not paying adequate salaries, that could be considered unethical. So, so there, there are... Um, there are comments. There were four open-ended questions in the in the survey, and I haven't analyzed it all yet. There are hundreds of pages of, of comments. 
So did you or have you taken these surveys and created a trend for each of the questions? When you because what you, you are you comparing last time to this time. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So if, in fact, you go through are we ethical, mm-hmm. and you have a rating across the five years that you've been doing it, or the ten years, and there's no variation, mm-hmm. a minimal variation, mm-hmm. what does that say to a board? Well, I... And what does it say to you? So, so all this going back and talking about... Nothing has changed over over this long period of time on that particular measurement. Sure. So it, it's hard for me to, without seeing what your trend lines have been, sure. from comparing from last year to this year, we get engaged in the subjective mm-hmm. opinion. So I, I, we can we can do that. In fact, I did, I did that for um, the human resource division before we went over the surveys because I wanted to know. You know what what has has gone down over the over the last year, and what has what has increased over the last year. So we actually talked about those things and what had and what had changed that caused that caused some of those results. And, with and we your, can within your own unit, w- with within within my own fifty five or so people. But you but, know the culture here has been skeptical of leadership for so long that I think it's really a hard thing to move. And it's going to take, I mean, because there aren't very many people in this room that have been here longer than five years, right? You and me and Kathleen. Um, (laughs) That's pretty much it. That's it. You know, Mm -hmm. so it's, there's, there's got to be some consistency of leadership and some we're beginning to trust these people, and maybe maybe things are changing. Mm-hmm. It's going to help a lot over time. There, there are some, if I may, if I may trustee, uh, there are some principles here. Um, the, the CEO of Alcoa, Paul O'Neill, when he first took Alcoa, he put his first principle as employee safety. And based on this, he built up. And this is what we are putting as a very important, when we discussed this patient before who posed some safety issue on the physicians, I told the chairs and this associate CMOs, there is any patient or any employee hurt, I need to know about it 24-7. I want to have an immediate debriefing as soon as possible to see what we can do to prevent this. You know, this is like uh, a principle that we have to follow. And I want to see, you know, what's happening on, on the site. So safety, I think, when we care about the safety of our employee and we tell them that we care, we get engaged. You know, I cancel my schedule, I'll go and, and see what's going on. Uh, it is very, very important message that we care. That's what we should put as a principle. Second principles that we have here is really the middle manager working in terms of a support structure. So when people get stuck in the work or they they found barriers, it's for the middle manager to come in and help and see what 
what they need and escalate to us. So, uh, you know, we, we have the physician survey and it has some similarities with the employee survey, uh, but the principle of having a just culture, of having teamwork, collaborative work, and having the principle of safety. This is on which we are going to build. I, I appreciate what you've said, and I, and I don't quarrel with that, and I'm taking way too much time on this, this conversation. The, the, I suppose part of the, the frustration, it's not a frustration, it's an inquiry, that we do this every year, and there's a lot of time and effort and energy that goes into this process. And there's money behind paying for this survey. And in my mind, if in fact, you know, it would seem to me beneficial to do it every other year or every three years, I'm not certain the benefit, unless you are looking at a trend line, what the benefits are doing it every year if in fact you're not getting down to the nitty gritty. And, and I appreciate the idea about data and statistics, and I can tell you that I live with that my whole career. You cannot make those kinds of comparisons from year to year. You have to look at long-term trend lines if, in fact, you expect a culture to change or if you're having any impact in the culture. So I'm sorry. That's just my, and I'm done. Well, and to that end, our long-term six-year trend line is that things are getting better, right? We believe that. I mean, of yes. course. If, if, it the isn't it has no, it hasn't. Oh Not yeah. Oh no, that's right. Everybody else has gotten worse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, so, so, so just a little context here. So uh, one, um, I, I think that um, we actually skipped a year in terms of a full survey. We did a pulse check last year, which is a little less involved and, and doesn't give the same degree of information. I think within the uh, context of what we have gone through, some of the things that Jeanette was talking about. Uh, uh, I, th I think the fact that we didn't go down, I don't, I, I don't want to um, uh, uh, sort of underscore the, 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 the value, I think, of going through a, a very challenging financial leadership, you know, uh, otherwise period, and, and remaining flat. I think that's actually, and the integration of a, a larger organization, that's something that, in my mind, is actually, I'm not, you know, jumping from the rafters about it, but I'm actually, I'm excited that we didn't go south. Um, I do believe we do have, uh, I mean, I think it's clear, we have work to do. Uh, I believe, actually, that doing this on a yearly basis is not the right cadence to actually uh, move the dime. And so, where we know, and with this last survey, we have... A, a lot more specificity uh, uh, of the areas in the organization where we have really high um, um, need and low low scores. If we focus heavily on those areas and do some work, and then really uh, before a whole year is out, continue to work with the leaders and the employees in those areas to to test and see, you know, more, much more of a tighter uh, um, uh, survey time frame. Uh, then I think. I hope and I believe that we can actually move this faster because I think the, our ability to move the lowest performing parts of the organization up will endure faster than if we just made minor incremental improvements for the people who are either at the average or slightly above the average. 
we do in fact have in the midst of all of this parts of the organization who um, um, are uh, uh, scoring quite nicely and quite highly and we want to celebrate and continue uh, those uh, uh, support those areas and and we are doing that but we do have a lot more areas in the organization that were lower than they were in the last survey um, the last full survey and we need to work very heavily to make some changes whether it's in some cases, it may be leadership changes. It may be uh, uh, um, further development and support of a team that actually can uh, uh, move the dime. Some heavy focus on those areas. So, um, you know, I'm, this is a this is a new thing for me. I'll be uh, uh, completely candid about that. I think it's fantastic that this organization has been doing it uh, for the, uh, as long as as it has. I also think it's great that it's been um, comparing itself against the entirety of the healthcare industry and not some, you know, uh, separate market that, to, to, to have good, uh, to have sort of a, you know, a different sort of lens. Um, uh, but I, I think your skepticism is founded, you know, that, you know, we won't, I, I think it's, imp- I want to take as, as, um, as important that not being anywhere near 75 percentile uh, as an organization, uh, which I think is quite ambitious for us, gives us room to grow. And and part of that is our leadership, and part of that is a broader awareness about uh, these things being very important mm-hmm. to us. So, so I hope that I, we can we can kind of uh, borrow some time from your frustration. Understand that we're also, you know, we're not frustrated by this, but we are definitely taking heed to this as an opportunity for us, and we want to put some, some emphasis around performance in these areas for all of us, uh, all the leaders throughout the organization to say that this is something that we can't, we can't allow to just piddle along. We really got to move. If we're going to say that this is serious to us and we're going to invest mm-hmm. in this, that we have to, we have to make some concerted efforts to move this faster. And I do hope you understand that my frustration is with an instrument sure. and not with the improvements that have gone on in this organization I get that. because I have seen dramatic changes in the time I've been here. Yeah. So um, I want to make that certainly clear to everybody. I appreciate that, and I, and I get that as well. Yeah, okay. yeah if, I, if I could just make, um, make one, or, one or two final comments. The, um, the engagement survey is, is, is helpful, helpful to me and my leadership team in not just um, determining you know where engagement is is low, but but giving us helpful information on on where we where we need need to intercede in a in a different way in the organization. One of one of the things is that that happened um, during our um, our get well period when we were when we were had lost um, fifty million dollars was that. In some cases, I believe that we focused on results um, to the exclusion of, um, of requiring effective um, leadership in, in partnership you know, on the part of, of some of our leaders. And we have uneven leadership capabilities. And I would like to spend some time at an upcoming meeting um, talking about the changes that we're um, that we're planning in in human resources to you know to to address leadership deficiencies um, start start a um, a leadership university with, and require um, certain kind of training for um, for new leaders rather rather than just um, promoting the person with the highest level of technical capability. And, and there are a number of things that we're planning over the coming months, and, and when there's time, I would like to 
talk to the board about those changes. Well, thank you. Uh, despite my frustration, I do, I do want to appreciate, I mean, I do appreciate the time that you've taken to put this forward and, and present it to us. So um, thank you. Okay, I think that we have come to our reports. Um, they're there for, I think we have close, yeah, committee reports. Yeah, we just and skip, skip a few. Oh, did I skip something? We can, we can yeah. No. Uh, Mike can report on the financials. Um, oh. we, are, we do have a finance committee next week. Um, we'll be reporting on favorable results for August uh, overall uh, in line with budget. <clears throat> we'll go into more detail there. Uh, I can also report that uh, Luis and I yesterday chaired the new uh, monthly variance committee. We had a series of managers come in uh, to talk about their challenges. Uh, there were some themes that came out of that that um, we'll be going into more detail with the management team and, and working on. Thank you. That was perfect. Mm -hmm. That was perfect. <laughs> on budget. <laughs> Uh, I think I've lost my place here. Yeah, then it isn't me, but I can, I can be equally uh, brief in the interest of time. Um, so so uh, for the strategic plan, just to uh, work, uh, provide an update, we, uh, I, I was a bit dismayed. I sent out a new org chart, and you guys didn't get as excited as you did when you saw David's in finance committee, and I felt, you know, where's the love? No, I'm just, uh, so, no, I'm kidding. Uh, let me just say that... Uh, we have uh, we are continuing our work to implement the strategic plan or to make ready um, um, uh, the implementation plans for the strategic plan. Um, we have actually done some uh, role clarifying and we've shared it with the organization uh, a new org structure um, um, that uh, hopefully you guys got. Uh, but if not, I can make sure you you get that as, again. Um, it is also posted on our website. Uh, but we have created new roles in the organization. As you know, we've consolidated uh, the community hospitals under one leadership, and uh, uh, James Jackson has uh, taken that role on. Um, uh, we've also consolidated all of our post-acute care under one leadership, and we've um, uh, promoted uh, Mr. Um, uh, Richard Espinoza into that role. Uh, we are currently recruiting uh, for a couple of other key roles, including our uh, chief administrative officer, who's a physician leader for ambulatory care. Uh, we are um, our, our lead for uh, lean, uh, our lead for population health. Um, and I, there's probably one or two other, oh, our, our VP for ancillary services, actually, is another role that we are uh, recruiting for. Uh, meanwhile, also, so that's so, so key, key recruitments. We're also working on our executive retreat, which is going to happen at the beginning of um, November, where we have over time been talking about all the different ways in which the various support services is one of the things Jeanette was just alluding to, so HR, finance, IT, um, uh, we have a new structure for governmental and community relations and um, marketing and communications. It's called um, PACE. It's uh, public affairs and community engagement. So it's a new uh, leadership structure, and Terry uh, Lightfoot oversees that area. But also looking at how all of our internal and external communications and our government relations will all inure to our um, uh, strategic plan as well, so communications around that. Um, uh, and we'll be talking about that in more detail along with the uh, much more uh, sort of itemized uh, plans for the remainder of the year within each of the different strategic business units. So we'll be bringing this back to this board uh, in greater detail in our October uh, retreat. And just to remind you, um, um, we were 
the target that we set is that by the November meeting we'd be asking for it. We actually said December, but then I recall we didn't have a December meeting. But by the November meeting, we'll be asking for your um, your approval of the plan uh, with this additional detail. So that's where we stand right now. And you were moving forward on some elements of that already before. Yes, those are the things sort of the make ready plans uh, that we discuss. Yes. Okay. Okay. Anything else? We have one public comment yet. And thank you. I apologize for coming up earlier. I was sent back by your HR department. I was treating you as, as I've uh, experienced other public bodies in which you comment uh, after, oh. after or during the issue, so I apologize for that. That's no problem. Um, listen, not to rehash, but on the topic of, of employee satisfaction and employee engagement, um, I, I do want to say something positive, which is that within our contracts is very robust language uh, around the conversations that bring immediacy to those line worker uh, concerns related both to their own safety, uh, to staffing, and uh, ultimately uh, to patient care. And um, this union has a strong commitment to the idea that when employees are able to walk up to the patient in their, their bed and in their crisis of need, they're able to give much better care when they're feeling safe, secure in their job, and like they have the tools uh, necessary. And uh, we have raised issues. Your um, uh, executive leadership in the last um, three or four months has been very responsive. They've set up uh, monthly meetings outside of the contract structure in order to receive these um, concerns. Uh, of line workers um, and in relevance to the comments that were made by the medical staff here one of our most frustrated group of employees our members currently your employees our members uh, are in the OR area uh, our surgical techs have talked about the um, difficulty of their current schedule so this I'm giving you some details to, to support this and to also say that um, your annual surveys, you know, that's a year out, right? So there may be improvements happening that you're not seeing it, and, and you, you alluded to that. Um, but look, in the uh, OR area, those surgical techs are working multiple shifts in a 24-hour period. They're exhausted. Their shifts are scheduled in a um, rotating block, so they move from a day shift to a PM shift to a night shift over the course of six to eight weeks, that's not good for any family. Um, and these folks are also placed in an on, they call it on call. Um, so these we brought forward, and I know Luis and, and Jeanette are on some level working on this, but they work in an on call structure where there's no backfill. So your, your doc here referred to that, there's little backfills. And this is at Highland. So uh, you can be working your PM shift and the night shift person has to, you know, the baby's sick, can't call in, and then you're stuck doing the night shift also. And sometimes there are less than eight hours between. It's just not good. So what do you do? You hire some more surgical techs, you get to a rational schedule. It's not that difficult to fix. But these are the kinds of things that employees haven't had the opportunity to raise in part because we haven't taken advantage of these robust 
portions of our contract. So I'm, I'm giving you hope here. Um, there is response. There are also uh, what we're learning in our daily work with employees who are raising individual, not only group issues, but individual issues, is that there are um, sort of larger organizational problems. So when an employee doesn't know how to get to their um, personnel file, that turns out to be you know, sort of an organizational problem. And that's a frustration. Why can't I see my personnel file? That sort of thing. And why don't I get an answer about my pay stub? Why do I have to? These are the sorts of things that lead to the frustrations. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, now you've got more people looking at it. You've got the union supporting uh, the voices of line workers in a more uh, uh, robust way. We did file, you know, a 15-page Title 22 um, Grievance. So a grievance that says you don't have enough RNs out there providing patient care. Um, and that's, you know, they're working on that. Um, but we'd rather not do the grievance rule, but this is something that RNs in particular, uh, their exhaustion, their need to provide care, uh, their deep concern that, that uh, you know, when they're forced to do doubles or <laughs> they're coming back on standby, that's not good for anybody. Um, so it's being worked on. It never moves quickly enough, but I just wanted to make sure that you knew that, there, that, that these voices are being raised when we're meeting in these patient care committees, which is what we call these contract structures. Those are monthly. Um, they're not set up yet through uh, the entire organization, but Jeanette and I and others are working to make that happen. So, Thank you, Ann. That's very informative. Appreciate it. Any other comments in the organization? Uh, no, not a comment, uh, but if we could return to uh, item 2E, uh, Trustee Lugianani is available uh, to join the board to approve that item from the consent agenda. Oh, item 2E. This is the approval of the extension of the O-Care contract. Susanna, you're uh, at the board meeting. <laughs> Hi, Jim. Thank you. Okay, here I am. Present. I move approval of 2E. Second. All those in favor? Aye. 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 Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> you're welcome. Thank you. We miss you. Okay, thank you. We're all set? Yes, have a good night. Okay, thanks. Bye-bye. And, and the minutes should reflect that Trustee Zorthian uh, excuse yourself from the vote on item 2E. We will do that. If there's no other business, I would ask for a motion to adjourn. So moved. Uh, oh, sorry. oh, I'm sorry. What did we miss? I must closed not have, have my... Oh, yes, I forget. I'm sorry. And then we have to come back to the open session. So I will move to close session. I'm so sorry. I... Am distracted. Um. The board met in closed session, and they received a report on the labor negotiations uh, with the two units of CNA with the operating engineers and and ACMIA and local six. And the uh, board did not take action that is required to be reported, and they took no other action. Thank you. We are adjourned.